Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to Challenges of Faith. I'm Gary McCants. Tonight's guest is Linda No. Linda is a woman after God's heart and a mom, beloved mom of three handsome boys, young men. Linda is the proud owner of No Limit Inc., which is a powerhouse that provides a variety of services such as, but not limited to, PR, business consulting, branding, marketing, public speaking. And she has even created her brand that will house the apparel market. She is also the only Vietnamese lady-owned, female-owned, woman-owned bail bonding company, your bail bonds, in the country and serves actively in her surrounding community and the Vietnamese community. One of Linda's favorite charities is the Source of Hope, which is an organization that serves the homeless on a monthly basis as well. She raises funds for scholarships in the beauty industry. She's also currently working on getting her 501c3 status, a nonprofit organization by the name of GLOW, which uses the world of entertainment to mentor the youth and the community. Linda definitely has no limits when it comes to her endeavors as an entrepreneur, also known as mogul. And I am sure this evening, Linda will expound on all of her other ventures that God has blessed her with that she may be undertaking. Linda, welcome to Challenges in Faith. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> I'm like, geez, did I do all of that? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> See, you've been busy. I have been busy First, in, in my, my short 37 years of living, huh? That's right. Hey, let me tell you something. You're going to be blessed. Look, people are going to look up a thousand years from now and still hear you out there working for God. Right. First and foremost, how are you and your son? Um, we. I can't even. I think if there was a better word for the word blessed, I would use it. So for right now, it's blessed upon blessed. So um, they are, are, are young men at this point from 14, 17, mm-hmm. and 19. So they're mm-hmm. all basketball athletes and all running with the 4.0 or 5.0 GPA. So wow. I couldn't ask for a better um, set of kids. Not to be biased wow. or anything. <laughs> no, no, no. You're not biased. Just double blessings and listen to the scores and stuff out there and you're probably the uh, uh, utmost first and foremost cheerleader as well. I am that. I am the the basketball mother that is completely known as basketball mom and <laughs> you'll find me on the score table summer months when mm-hmm. we play AAU ball or right next to the coaches mm-hmm. wives during high school ball so you definitely will not see me miss a game for anything. So definitely will. And I know it I know those young men are proud of their mom and the support that you've given and are giving them. That's going to be instrumental in their future. Right. I think we have um, one of the most unique relationships, and I know every parent and children or family have their own unique relationship, but I'm truly in love with mine. I mean, I I guess that's supposed to be appropriate, but I truly am. I'm I'm their biggest fan, and, and they are mine, so I think, you know, in most um, families, there's always some type of distinction, whether it be 
mom or dad is always mm-hmm. right, kid isn't, or whatever the case is. But, I mean, we literally here have, you know, a reciprocation that is definitely unique um, amongst other families for sure. Mm-hmm. So, Linda, you are the owner of your Bells Bonds in Dallas, Texas. What does the business entail, and why did you enter it? You know, I went into uh, the bail bonding industry. I mean, anything I do is about empowering. So the bail bonding industry was something I kind of fell into through a former relationship, but learning it on my own, I was able to kind of see the uglies and the discrimination and the dark cloud that was put on a lot of these alleged um, felons or criminals, and I just thought the system was quite kind of unfair. So um, when I was given the opportunity to have my own license, I took it in twofold. I did it, one, because I was, you know, learning an industry that I was kind of taking a liking to. You get to learn the political world of the justice system, and ultimately you're helping a family or an individual um, get their freedom back or do the most that they can. So, yes, there are some that were convicted, and there is a lot more that were never convicted. And I just think that our judicial system is set up in such an unfair way that I think that once I was able to get in and I was able to add a little bit of fairness back into what I can control, and that was able to help um, get some of these innocent folks out Um, obviously until proven guilty on a budget, I guess you could say, because there are so many that, you know, looking at it now, you can't be innocent unless you can afford it, and that's the sad part of our judicial system. And a lot of the times you're stuck in jail with no resources or no family or, you know, how many of us, including myself, knows dependable phone numbers these days because mine is your name, hit the green button, and send. You know, I don't remember too many phone numbers by heart anymore, and I guess our smartphone has kind of dumbed us down a little bit when it comes to stuff like that. But, you know, a lot of my clients would go to jail and not have anyone to call because they can't recall anybody. And, I mean, there's just so many aspects and levels and platforms of injustice in our justice system, and I wanted to do my part um, to be the voice of the voiceless in, in so many ways, whether it be, you know, regular cases or, you know, in cases like mine, the Vietnamese culture where they would have to sit in jail a few extra days just because in our county there's not a lot of translator. And um, by law, you cannot be arraigned or you can't really be properly booked or arraigned without a translator there if you don't understand the language. And as you know, sometimes these counties aren't in a hurry to find a translator. Those just kind of stack up bodies and it just, kind of gets lost in the system until, you know, somebody kind of raises an awareness for that. So, I mean, there's a lot of different things that I was able to use the bail bonding industry as a platform to speak up and to stand up for a lot of our communities. And it's interesting how many people, irrespective of where they are, that uh, are even really acutely aware of the the political part of it all, as you had alluded to, that you had to learn about. Listeners, Linda's Bail Bond Business is the one and only Vietnamese, Asian, female-owned, women-owned <laughs> bail bond company in Texas and possibly the whole United States. 
Actually, I think we, we tried to even look at one point. We were thinking it's the whole country. Yeah, and you know, and you, you know, very well could be. But guess what? Even if you're not, you are needed. Period. Thank you. How does your bail bond business make an uncomfortable situation as smooth and as easy as possible? We literally look at the whole picture um, in in the whole perspective. I operated it. I mean, I, I recently shut it down last year just because there's so much going on with these bail bonds reform that it's not right now every state in our country is actually going through bail bond reform where they're trying to actually do away with the commercial bail bonding. So it's making it kind of difficult on us to kind of do what we want to do without gouging our customers. So when things kind of get shady, I kind of walk away. But when we were there, I was one of the only ones that I've been told that actually cared about our customers. So usually you would have to work with the 10% number and some collateral, whereas we would make nice payment plans. And if you didn't have collateral, we would still kind of work with you. I kind of just asked for different favors in return. In trade of some of the collaterals, I would ask them to let me mentor them or they would have to turn around and do some type of community service uh, with me. So that can kind of work off their collateral that they should have put on. So it's more so a twofold to where I would actually, there are times and were times when I actually went to the case in their trial. I would go and support them during their trial stage and be um, an extra character witness for their case and things that I was able to help them find or locate or any type of investigative work that I did pro bono, I would actually help them. And so I was able to kind of use that bail bonds to minister them. Um, and that's why the name Your Bell Bonds came and the logo had an arrow pointing up, meaning that it was God's bail bonds. Why it was being um, emphasized, meaning these are God's people, these are God's situation, this is God getting them in and out, in a sense, you know. So just because they were put behind bars doesn't mean that they messed up. I mean, it's obviously about a lesson to be learned, whether it was to use them or it was for them. Either way, God was the one that knew the who, the what, the where's, and the why's. And I was just kind of one of the um, messengers, per se, and the vessels. And I basically did it just so that way I could minister. And I did it to figure out the why, you know, especially with my youth um, my youth clients, I wanted to understand why did they do this? Why did you allegedly do this? Did you do it? Did you didn't do it? Did you not do it? You know, mm-hmm. I, they were able to tell me the truth, and it stayed between us unless um, they needed me to help them with something. But I would basically understand or want to get in their mindset because instead of judging somebody and using that energy mm-hmm. to judge, I use that energy to understand their why and figure mm-hmm. out if there's a way that we can kind of come up with a solution for them to never do that. And the fact that I've had so many clients now that are still keeping in touch with me, even though I'm out of the industry, I have had young kids who said, Ms. Linda, you were the only one who ever genuinely cared about me as a person. That touched me, and that was enough. And that's why I did it for six years. See, think about it, the heart, the heart helping the helpless, the hopeless, the hurting, and the homeless. And, again, like children, children knowing whether adults really are uh, care about them or real toward them and any type of relationship. So even as you have found and continue to find, 
irrespective of whether individuals have fallen down or become involved with the criminal justice system for whatever the reasons are, they still have a story, a story that you found believable even to the degree that you walk with them into the courtroom. And we started off about the topic of from the political standpoint. And even though those individuals who are sitting there, but they had a chance to come in contact with you irrespective of their titles, and they recognize apart from your position in learning about you that you were real, and so therefore when you walked into a courtroom or walked into someone's office, then they knew that you were advocating for your client, irrespective of how the person was your client, and therefore was able to render the just decision on behalf of that person and not an unjust one. Right. Linda, how do you encourage your clients to allow God to protect and guide them? You know, I never force God or or any scriptures down their throat or, or to them, but I do make it clear that God is in my life. And I think once they let their guards down and see that I genuinely care, they see the God in me without me having to advertise or force anything down or even present a pitch. So I honestly think a lot of it is is within action, within my, my genuineness to show that I go out of the way that I definitely do not have to, to show them that I genuinely care about their welfare and their family. And I think, you know, the God anointance on me was able to kind of do more of um, the presentation than anything that I could say, because I think when you know somebody is genuine and not having to go overboard to try or to force or putting on a show, then I think it spoke for itself, and I didn't really have to... um, I didn't. I, I'm not honestly here. I don't think I ever had to say anything about God. I just say thank God and say your prayers. And they said yes, ma'am. And sometimes they said a prayer and wanted me to pray with them. And I made them say the prayer. So it was just it was all organic. And that's what was so precious about the whole industry. When everyone was trying to look at bail bonding industry as such an, an ugly, dirty world, or um, a dirty process, or a scary process, or you know, kind of what of a money-hungry process. It was more different when it came to me. I'm going to uh, go back to that. But before I do, um, what you're saying, <clears throat> excuse me, is that you walked it and talked it from the standpoint in terms of faith and about God, from the standpoint that you let your actions and your words join as one and be seen rather than heard. And through that, the individuals that you were helping knew to such a degree, and as you alluded to earlier, they they themselves opened up because of trust, which is a powerful word, and therefore relied on you to help them. And through it all, while you were watching them being helped while actively helping them, they were blessed, you were blessed, and continue to be blessed. But I want to go back to uh, some of what you alluded to, and as you alluded to it earlier, which is important. But my question is, um, so why do you think, um, if known, why do you think uh, all of a sudden uh, uh, 
uh, if it be nationally, that um, uh, the politicians or individuals uh, that's representing uh, uh, local government or state government are attempting to rein in or put their hands inside um, your industry. You know, quite honestly, um, these politicians that are trying to get rid of our industry knows nothing about it. Mm-hmm. All they genu- genuinely know, based on their own personal assumption, is, oh, you just go pay this guy 10% and get him out of jail. That's all they know. They don't think, they don't look, they don't choose to study, they don't choose to ask. Now, given said that, my local judges, some of them that are amazing human beings, have done that. They have pulled me into their offices. We have had dinners just strictly to learn about what a bail bond, all it entails, just to reassure them that we're not just greasy old men or women who are out here just to get some quick cash and call it a day. Um, Now, given that said that, there are a few that are like that. So that gave us that um, that bad stereotype. But some of these politicians who chose to learn about our industry have been there to fight for us. But unfortunately, you know, when you're having one or two fight against 20 or more, then it's kind of a tough fight. But, you know, they think that we are creating some type of way to keep these people in jail, whether it be that the restrictions are too hard or too qualified to bail them out. But what they don't realize and what they forget is that the actual magistrate who arraigns these people are the reasoning why they're behind there, whether they can or cannot afford to come out. They're the one that sets the bail, not us. And that's kind mm-hmm. of where the misunderstanding is with the bail bond reform is that these political heads think that um, we're making it hard. The bail bonding industry makes it hard to get bailed out. Therefore, it's unfair that some of these people, and of course, they created a color thing or discrimination thing, whether a racial thing, whether it was this is a way to keep, you know, the African-American community locked up, and that's not anything. That has nothing to do with the bail bonding industry, and I just thought that was kind of quite unfair that the whole industry was taking a hit and being put through a lot of extra financial burdens over something that we can't control. Ideally, we follow whatever the magistrate says. A judge that is holding the title of a magistrate, which is the person who arraigns each individual, sets and has a scale from $500 on up to a million. And those are the people in those black robes or whatever they decide to wear for the night um, are the ones Mm -hmm. that set the restrictions and the dollar amount. Um, that we have to abide by. There's nothing we can do. And so I think on that level, I think our our politicians have not had any type of um, genuine care or concern to actually understand the industry and what we're about and learning the true A to Z process of what we do, how we do it, and why we do it. Because at the end of the day, we are another stream of income for that county. They use us, even though Supreme Court shows that we are not supposed to be another source of income. We are strictly supposed to be an assistant to the judicial system. They actually turn around and use us as another source of income because if Joe Smith jumps bail and his bail was 50000 
that $50,000 comes from my pocket or our bail bonding industry pocket. Mm-hmm. It doesn't come from Joe Smith. So it mm-hmm. comes directly, you know, that's a way that the county makes money. But mm-hmm. on the flip side, if a judge gives you a PR bond, which is called a personal recognizance, which means the judge let you out on your own terms, mm-hmm. no one's liable for that money, which is the unfair part. And that's what I was telling you. I was basically, I saw where, you know, our industry was getting crucified and I have three boys to feed and I can't afford to have millions of dollars worth of debt because the Supreme or the political or whomever the the legislature is trying to hurt us. So it was Mm -hmm. that crucial to where, you know, we have, we have lots of fees as a bail bonding industry. And it constantly goes up and up and up, and it's just something that's not justifiable for us anymore. So it's it's been tough. It's a, it's been a couple tough fights. I've been asked to help assist in some lobbying and and whatnot, but you know we'll see how that goes. Yeah, well you know, and that's why, as you know, it's important for individuals to have knowledge is important, and once a person truly understands the knowledge they have then they can move forward. And what I'm speaking of is the knowledge of how it works, how the system works, how the individuals who are part of the system, whether they are elected, unelected, and so forth, because they have an impact on your daily life, just as you just spoke about. And that's why it is important uh, when we talk about uh, whether they use the word, whether the word is used lobbying or networking or making contact with those individuals so that they do have clarity of what it's right. all about. And Thank I urge you. that. I, I urge I urge when you have another local, some type of election in your local community, definitely ask them that. You know, sure, mm-hmm. we learn about what these politicians want to do for our schools and our taxes, but let's not forget our brothers and sisters that are locked up innocently or mm-hmm. that are locked up maybe not innocently, but at the end of the day, they still deserve some type of second chances. Now, of course, obviously I'm not speaking for, you know, the all, but as you know, I mean, that's all on on those folks, but it's still innocent until proven guilty. But in this case right now, it's innocent until you can afford it. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. you know, instead of force your local politician to understand what bail bonding is, tell them to educate you. Mm other than just something that you can kind of get off the Internet. Let them understand that, hey, this is very important. I don't have a home to give. I don't have an extra car to give. I don't have extra assets that I can put up to bail my son or brother or sister or loved one out. I don't. So when you're telling me because I don't have collateral or an extra several thousands of dollars, my son, daughter, loved one, whoever has to sit in jail unfairly when they could innocently be in there because they were at the wrong place at the wrong time and they were assumed guilty, and that's not fair. Mm-hmm. You know, I, um, as I was listening, I was reminded one time um, writing, and I posed the question to two individuals who happened to be of the um, African-American or black community, and they both work for the opposite political party. And at the time, I was, you know, I was confused, and I thought I had knowledge. 
And so in that confusion, which I know I wasn't confused, but in that confusion, I posed a question, and and I asked both of those individuals, um, which one of your persons that you are advocating for is telling us the truth? And I tried to share that the individuals who are supporting you maybe your family, loved ones, relatives, friends, and so forth, who are believing in you and believing everything you're saying about the person you are working with is genuine. And what I finally posed to both of those individuals, hey, why don't both of you put your differences aside on behalf of the community and those individuals who are believing in you get together, return to the community, and tell us, which one of these persons of the opposite political party is genuinely concerned about the interests of the individual who is truly helpless, hopeless, hurting, and homeless that's a part of the system? You know, I'm still waiting for both of them to come. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you'll be waiting for quite some time, Gary. Oh, I'm Hey, I'm telling you, and, and, and so one of the things that's refreshing with you, and I can say it out of respect, is, you know, you're, you're sharing truth. And, and, and the sad, and I hope in 2019, irrespective, um, and, and I know God's continuing blessing you, I hope that the individuals who are listening to you understand truth and not run away from it or fear it or not want to, apply to the life because that allows one to be free to move forward. But, you know, then I find a lot of people, and that's not taken away, you know, it may have to do with maturation and growth. I don't know. What I do know, there are a lot of individuals who really don't want the truth that even what we're talking about right now, that empowers them to know how to move wherever they happen to be globally. Linda, what languages do you and staff speak in order to reach potential clients? I, it's funny, somebody asked me, but I said I speak a language and two halves. Um, I speak a little bit of Spanish and a little bit of Vietnamese. Well, a lot of Vietnamese, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but I just don't know how to rewrite it. So um, <laughs> so it's funny. So I always say I'm, I'm first in one and two halves of language. So, mm-hmm. But I do have staff that definitely are fluent in Spanish that I could call on and teach me. And, you know, we have fun with uh, learning another language, but um, Spanish, Vietnamese, and English for sure. Mm-hmm. And you have the, uh, as you've been sharing, the, the, the language of showing love. And uh, and so, therefore, uh, that's uh, that's the most important one when one can't speak it, they're showing it. And if the listeners were interested in contacting your bail bond company, how would they do so? Well, like I said, I'm no longer in the bail bonding industry. I actually walked away from it just to kind of do more things. As you know, my mm-hmm. my resume mm-hmm. has tons of businesses that I'm um, mm-hmm. kind of running right now, so I couldn't just kind of be locked down to it. But I am still doing a lot of legal consulting, a lot of bail bonding mm-hmm. consulting. Um, I sometimes I'm still able to help my clients. I don't even need a bell bondsman, and mm-hmm. they're able to kind of 
still call me, but they can still either find me on my social media, you know, the Linda No, mm-hmm. L-I-N-D-A-N-D-O, mm-hmm. which I have heard that is not very special. There's there's several of us out there. <laughs> but so I have uh, No Limits, which is N-G-O, and then L-I-M-I-T. Mm-hmm. I, I have three pages on social media, so they're all tied together. Mm-hmm. So Linda No, That's No okay. Limit, No Limit page two, or mm-hmm. my LinkedIn, I'm sure you'll have that, or no limit Inc. Mm-hmm. at gmail.com is also an email uh, that they can find me at, but no is spelled N-G-O, so no limit ink, I-N-C, at gmail.com. So I'm right. sure they're Listen. like, what is that? <laughs> well, they're going to have to do their research. Listen. They're just going to have to go to your We're page. Now gonna, mm-hmm. We're now going to turn to Linda as a CEO of No Limit. You're a woman of God on a mission. Why did you form it? You know, they always said if you don't like the rules, make up your own company so you can make up your own rules. I said they said it, but actually I said that. So <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I started No Limit Productions when I was, uh, let's see, 2006, and that was my initial nonprofit where I took the entertainment industry to mentor to our youth. Um, and that kind of led to No Limit, Inc., and what I did was taught them mainly using the modeling and entertainment industry. And because I'm five one, um, from nine PM to nine AM and about five five <laughs> between nine AM and nine PM um mm-hmm. the modeling industry was not very um oh, not very financially welcoming, I could say, for my height. But at the end of the mm-hmm. day, I still ripped several runways. We still um, did a lot of print work and commercial work, and I just thought that that was kind of an unfair mark of society where, you know, Linda is compared to a Kimora Lee, but since she's a foot taller than me, her paycheck is a foot longer than mine. And I just thought that was um, an unfair concept. So I created my own to where I used the industry. I mentored the kids. I wanted to use that industry to teach them about life through the eyes of entertainment and just encourage them that they could obtain anything and everything without having to sleep their way to anybody's top or strip mm-hmm. their clothes with their morals. So I um, used my knowledge and my resources and my experience in the movie industry, in the radio industry, in the entertainment still to basically teach them um, indirectly about life. So when I taught them how to walk the runway, I basically gave them um, helpful ideas to create their own signature walk, and that was the walk that they were to take through life. And mm-hmm. um, and it birthed No Limit, Inc. So it was just something that was about PR, branding, marketing, creating your own, and um, it's been there since 2006, and it's still been up ever since. So it's more about empowering, okay. Gary. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and then that's what you're doing, and, and you can, you know, uh, persons on the outside who are listening with spiritual ears can tell, you know, um, that door that God doesn't, let you go to. He has that other door that's already prepared for you for his purpose that you can't see now, 
around the corner is, is revealed. And as you're sharing, as it relates to the individuals you're reaching, walking down the runway, but at the same time, they're able to walk with integrity without right. selling oneself or compromising. You're also the board president of Advanced Prep International. What is Advanced Prep International? Oh, it's it's my um, one of my other favorite, I would say, nonprofit too, because it is a private school. Um, I was asked to be the board president because the love that I have for children in our community, and it was a school created um, here in Dallas, Texas. Once Dion Sanders School uh, Prime Prep was kind of going through some issues, and I was part of that. Um, circle to kind of help save as much as I could of his school and then when it didn't work out we kind of had to find and create homes for our kids that were attending there so half the kids kind of went back and then another portion went to several other private schools and then the portion that didn't really find a fit we created a fit for them and it's a accredited private school that is basically kind of going on the guidelines of somewhat of a homeschooling program, but it's still private school, and it's all accredited. They're able to actually go to school on college campus and still get their college hours. It's an amazing environment for kids who need a lot more customizations, whether it be kids that we've had kids that have been bullied from private or public school. We've had kids that have had different learning disabilities. We've had kids that are an amazing um athletes, but they're not um, as savvy with their schoolwork. And in the public sector, you know, a lot of the kids who are great athletes obviously get a lot of help that doesn't still educate them, whereas here we make them learn their work as well as continue to be the athletic scholar that they are. But I think it's an environment that's a little bit more catered to their individual needs. It's a lot more family-oriented. Um, and a lot more diverse in what we're able to do. And I'm very, very proud of the program. I know we're still, you know, growing every year. It's fairly, what, maybe three or four years going on our fourth year. And it's just growing every single year. We're able to add life lesson um, skills to them. We're able to add different trade programs for them. The fact that we are um, on the guidelines of our private school, we're able to offer more that public schools and certain charter schools cannot. So we can actually um, have them intern at different radio shows or anything in the entertainment industry or any entrepreneur um, partnerships that we have with different companies. We're able to truly teach them about life and prepare them about that next level. And I think it's an amazing um, environment for kids who just want some extra attention. We started off the program where you were sharing as a beloved mom as relates to your young man being a cheerleader. Are many of the children's parents involved with your endeavor of helping their child? There are some that are and there are some that aren't. I think in in our in anything that I've done, I've had it to where most parents are not able to. So I've taken on a lot of kids who are either foster kids or kids that are from single parents or kids that are their grandparents are their 
current parents. There's so many situations um, and a variety of the household where a lot of our kids or some of them are, are strictly on their own. And then, again, there are some that have amazing, wonderful parents that are supportive, but it's, it's not um, very rare to find me being a mom of 20 other kids that I didn't give birth to, for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it's sad, Why? but... Mm-hmm. Yes, um, but, you know, <clears throat> you're still helping and being of help along with others who can help uh, to keep the... Uh, the children on the right path. Why is the source of hope your favorite charity? Was um, it's a charity that doesn't a charity that um, only does things for certain holidays. You know, these are people who, gosh, you name it, we do it from serving the homeless, and it's not food that is like. Land. It's not two pieces of bread and some bologna. It's home-cooked meals that are seasoned, that are things that you would prepare for your own personal family on a Sunday's best. And I just love the fact that this organization is so diverse and it is strictly all on God's dime and God's favor, and they literally go beyond measures of treating somebody as human beings and not a homeless human being or a cancerous human being or an AIDS patient. Like there is no, nothing but human being. There's no, no, no way to define them other than brothers and sisters. And I love that about them. And, you know, they're constantly proactive. The source of hope constantly tries to come up with new ways to heal people and educate. Not only do we raise funds for scholarships or serving the homeless communities, but constantly raising awareness and education for natural healing and just to its overall empowerment. And, you know, that leads me to the other nonprofit that I'm actually chairing as well, which is called Spark the Leadership Foundation. And it kind of, um, I'm not sure, Gary, if you follow the Dallas Cowboys at all much. <laughs> but well, it is. You know, you just revealed who my team has always been, and that's going to let a lot of people coming. know who've been trying to get it out of me. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, yeah. Um, back in December of 2012, a young gentleman lost his life by the name of Jerry Brown Jr., and he was in a, a horrible accident with his best friend, his brother, his teammate, Josh Brent, and that became national news. Um, December of 2012, and Jerry lost his life. You know, he's still kind of dealing with the loss of his brother and, and being at fault for it and whatnot. Um, but in doing that or in that tragic accident, I gained a sister, and which is his mother, Jerry Brown's mother, Stacy Jackson, and she has been my sister from the first moment I met her. And so um, when they gave her his belongings back, in his journal, he had written down his visions for Spark the Leadership. So it's Jerry Jerome Brown Jr. Spark the Leadership Foundation. And it was to empower children with scholarship money and backpacks filled with school supplies. And so ever since 2012 and 13, we've literally been raising money every year to give out almost 
10,000 backpacks every summer and four scholarships a year. And so that's kind of been my main focus now um, is to really bring that awareness out because for the first time with my kid being in college, I'm learning the financial burdens that a college kid goes through and just the different things they go through as well. So giving them scholarships that um, doesn't require all the haywire that normal scholarships require is a blessing for most of these kids. And then, you know, with Jerry, I mean, it's being able to create a legend and a foundation for his daughter, who is now only a few years old, um, to hopefully grow up and want to take over um, his foundation with, with pride and honor. But it's something that we want to do every year to continue his legacy and to show the importance of giving back. And he, um, whichever city he played in is typically the city we do a big backpack giveaway. So San Antonio, Dallas, and St. Louis has been the three spots that we've been giving out backpacks to every year. But um, we're actually getting ready to gear up for it. We actually had a call today. So backpacks are roughly twenty four to $25,000 alone. Um, so we've definitely been focused on that, and that's kind of been another charity where we focus on children and making sure that when we do host these events that they get, you know, the best of the best for them. It's not just these rink-eating, you know, onesie twosie types of backpacks with one little funsy folder. They actually get, you know, the majority of what they're needing and, you know, just empower them with love and food and, and a good send-off to, you know, school years. So that's kind of been my two charities that I've been focused on these last, what, several years nowadays. Showing it all in shoe leather, and that's what mm-hmm. action is all about when we talk about the faith. Linda, before we take a a few-minute break and, and, and come back and continue with your sojourn, you have a new nonprofit, GLOW, G-L-O-W, what is it? Okay. Why are you creating Glow it? Glow stands for God's level of wisdom. And I created it because I wanted to bring the glow back in, in our community and mainly our youth. They have been put through so much, through society, through bullying, through living in a house and not a home, or they just are not put in the situation they asked for. And I glow was a way to give them their own glow back in any type of shape, form that I have to go through to empower them and build up their self-esteem. I am using that industry or using that nonprofit to empower them with their own entrepreneurship skills, teach them something that they can be proud of. Or sometimes some of these young girls just need to know how to be young ladies. And I bring in my, um, I call them the beauty squad or the beauty entourage and show them how to apply makeup or show them how to care for certain things. And um, I'm hoping to create my own clothing line this year that will definitely benefit them as well because I want them to be able to understand that you can be sexy, you can be classy, you can be chic without having to just show the world everything you've been blessed with. Mm-hmm. And um Again, their inner glow is what's sexy and what's the confidence is what's sexy and what's classy and what's what's powerful, and I want them to understand that. And I want them to understand that their glow comes from within 
not from something that anybody can buy for them. And that's why Glow is going to, you know, that we, we hang on to that. So a lot of events surrounding that for sure. Listeners, tonight's guest, Linda No, is a woman after God's heart, a loving mom of three handsome young men. Linda has such a vast amount of knowledge that we've heard about and will continue to hear about, gained by her experience in both her professional and personal background that has enabled her to grasp the attention of such an amazing range of audiences. Linda is definitely not a stranger to diversity nor adversity. She is a woman who can personally relate to sexual abuse, domestic violence, parentless upbringing, single mom, motherhood of three boys, bullying, and much more. To dissect and hear her stories is one thing, but to be able to see where she came from to her current status and to her ongoing visions of where she is headed definitely requires more than a sit-down. You might just want to create an everlasting relationship with her just to understand it all. Linda has been told multiple times that she is definitely not one-dimensional and definitely has several layers to who she is. And you can tell. With the type of childhood Linda has been through, she truly believes God has protected her and allowed her to turn negativity into something positive. Linda, let's become personal. How did your journey begin leading to God and who you are and have become? Gary, I don't even know. I think I gave God his credit in the latter part of my, I think, my life, more so maybe my, I would say, mid-20s. So I knew there was a God, but I didn't really focus on him. My dad shot and killed my mother when I was three. So right then I lost my mother and my father. He called the police on himself, so of course he was charted off to jail so I was raised in a family um, circle where I was passed from one family to another. So I call it the foster style living just within the family DNA. And in doing so, you are always the ugly duckling. Um, you are always the third wheel or the fifth wheel or whatever last wheel there was of that particular family. And, you know, I just grew up in a, an environment where I just felt like I was not enough. I was never going to be good enough. I was never... I didn't understand what love was. I didn't stay at a place long enough. I just remembered getting bullied by, by my own cousins because, you know, I was fighting for attention too or, you know, it was always a fight for some type of attention and acceptance. And I think um, that led into the whole school system where I just looked for acceptance to my teachers and that's where my good grades came from. So ideally, in hindsight, I was able to really thank God knowing that he did have a special hand and angel um, with me the whole time because knowing just that and being uh, molested when I was 14 through a legal guardian and going through suicidal thoughts at one point and being bullied because I was an Asian young girl in school and this, that, and the other, it was just one of those where I could justifiably be a hooker or a 
druggy or whatever else is negative out there in this world, but I have not. You know, I've never done any type of drugs or any type of hookering or any type of things that I couldn't go to bed with or share with my kids. And I'm so proud of that within itself, and I had nobody else to give things for but God. Once I learned in my language, in my understanding, in my perspective who God was. And I think, um, you know, I think we have pivotal moments in our lives that we we kind of have our aha moments, and we have no way to explain the whys and the hows. So my kind of rule of thumb is to give God, because ultimately when you can't come up with an answer, then you just know it's God without even having any hesitation. And, you know, doing all of that and going through all of that, that's what made me who I am, I believe, today to where I feel like I've suffered so much pain and anguish growing up that I can relate to a lot of our children nowadays. I understand why a lot of sexual abuse goes on and molestation goes on without the kids wanting to speak up because ideally when you spoke up, you were a liar. You were accused of, you know, being a bad kid or um, somehow, you know, it was your fault, whether you wore shorts or you just woke up. I mean, it was somehow some way turned to your fault. So I see now why there's a lot of children that are being molested and are having to deal with it on their own. And I pray that I come in um, in touch with some of these kids just so that way they know that they do have somebody on their side because a lot of the times and a lot of the children that I've been around who have witnessed it and have gone through it, you know, their story is that their mother chooses her current boyfriend or the accused um, man or whomever, the adult that did it to them. So it's a very scary thing for you to do as a young kid. And then, of course, even in a relationship, I've been through that as well. So I felt like instead of giving energy to being a victim, I'd rather give energy into empowering and learning and knowing that I'm thankful for surviving and being able to still have my right mind to be able to articulate it in a way that it empowers and it teaches and it educates and it's not threatening to anybody that I'm around or any community that I speak to um, when I do my public speaking engagements. So I think it's, you know, again, it's so hard to explain. So, you know, when you have nothing to, um, or no one to give credit to, you just obviously it's just an automatic no-brainer that it's a God thing. So that was kind of it in the synopsis. Of course, there's more detail. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, you know, hopefully I'll have no. time to put it all in a nice book for you one day, Gary. But uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> hey, it's your sojourn. It's your sojourns, and um, you understand the pain. Linda, throughout your various sojourns, how has your faith been challenged? It's definitely been challenged because you sit here and you focus on doing so much good and so much positive for anyone and everyone. And when you get the short end of the stick, you question, is there a God? 
when you deal with being a victim of being raped or you deal with homelessness or you deal with not having parents or not understanding what love is, you start to question your faith. You wonder, okay, wait a minute. I'm doing all this good thing. I'm being God's number one cheerleader. Of course, you know, all of us are number one cheerleaders. But in my head, I'm God's number one cheerleader. I'm sitting here helping everybody I can, strangers and everybody in between, giving them my last, and I'm still going through the fire? Wait a minute. You know, what is this really about? And so those are the moments and times where you do question. You do wonder if there really is a God. You do go through these dark stages where you're mad to the point where you don't even think there is a God anymore. And I have been there many, many times. And, of course, the back of my head is like, okay, Linda, are you ready? Are you done with this temper tantrum yet? And, um, you know, I kind of get over it. <laughs> and then, you know, I have to look at what I do have. And, you, you you know, once you're done with the initial shock value of whatever it is you're going through um, and however long it takes for you to go through it, you do realize, you know, and the blessings do outweigh the uglies. And it doesn't feel like it, dear Lord, no. Sometimes I'm That's like, right. oh, you're such a liar because I swear <laughs> I've dealt with more negative than I have positive. But, you know, all in all, <laughs> you do sit there and you do have your alone time with yourself. And if you want to invite God in, you can. And I'm being honest and real. You know how I am, Gary. That's I'm right. very right. Right. real with my, my right. approach. And, there are days where I'm like, I don't even want to hear about a God. I don't want to hear nothing. Just leave me alone. Let me think. Mm-hmm. And you do. You do need those days where you have to truly see what is in front of you. And for me, it was my three boys. The fact that I could look to the left and see three kids that are just not good kids, or I can see that kids that are um, unhealthy or sick or in the hospital and my kids are healthy. So, you know, you had to play that game where you're like, okay, let's no longer be the victim of ourselves and not be victim of the negativity. And let's focus on what makes us smile, even for a moment. And that's been my biggest campaign lately is find whatever makes you smile. If it's creating on Facebook, finding videos of cute puppies or cute babies smiling in their sleep, that it truly calms your spirit, let's bring it down and let's strip out all the negative fluff and really get back down to who we are. And the fact that we're able to do that means, one, you're blessed with a sound mind, that you're not cuckoo, so that's a blessing. You know, so those are the types of different things that I had to assess and take inventory of who I am. And, you know, again, you know, we are human and we are allotted that. And I, I get um, sometimes in a tangle conversation with folks that oh you're challenging your faith you're wrong you can't you're a hypocrite because you can't be faithful and then be scared and be that well I'm like look I'm human you can squash whatever you just said I am a human being with a, a red old pumping heart with some blood in it and at the mm-hmm. end of the day I deserve to be human mm-hmm. so if I have to take a break you know, there are days that, that my one of my best friends, we have to joke with God, and we just, you know, in order from stopping, because, you know, Lord knows we've shared our tears, and there's probably a couple lakes and oceans built upon our tears. 
But that's right. There are days where you have to laugh and say, you know what, God, look. So all those folks that are playing and, and representing the devil, they're looking like they're having a ball, living large, living mm-hmm. fancy with tons of money, with no problem. So you know what, God, I'm going to be right back. I'm just going to really just go over there for a second just to see. You know, I'm going to spy <laughs> for you, God. I'm just going to go and be undercover for a second. I'll be right back. Uh-huh. I mean, there are days that you literally have to create jokes um, mm-hmm. to know that, look, we're human. We're allotted a few moments to cry, to pout, to, you know, That's right. whatever it is, so long as centered and we come back. Mm-hmm. And I think those who truly are God's children, we know that just like <laughs> any parent, we can spank our kids, we can discipline our kids, we can yell, we can fuss, and there are times we say things we do not ever wish we have said, and we mm-hmm. they still love us and we still love them the same. So what the heck will be the difference with God? So That's you right. are allowed to be an upset child. You are allowed to be mad mm-hmm. at him. You are allowed to question and doubt for a second or two That's seconds right. if it needs to be. And quit being a victim of all these extra holy Christians that says you got to be perfect because there That's is no right. such thing. And, no, you know, it gets, right. it gets very um, offensive because so many people get turned off um, with the thought of God or Christianity mm-hmm. because of those type of folks who says you better be perfect or don't come on this side of uh, of the heavens. And it's just not fair. Okay. And I think I think we need to truly check ourselves and understand mm-hmm. that, you know, life isn't perfect and life isn't guaranteed and life isn't guaranteed to be fair or perfect. And at the end of the day, we truly do have to control our energy and what we put out there and just to be completely honest and real with self first and just go on basic principles, you know, love yourself and love others as if you would want them to love you. Treat others as if you want them to treat you. It's basic principles Mm -hmm. of humanity. It doesn't take a Bible to say treat the other person with love and respect. That's just mm-hmm. plain humanity. And I think when right. people quit quit focusing on their selfish greeds or egos or or thought process and truly allow another person to educate their mm-hmm. own perspective or teach you about their perspective, be open to that. You don't have to agree. But respect that. There's other perspectives out there in the world. And I think if we can all do that, then I believe it will help alleviate a lot of stress and tension that are out there right now um, for unnecessary reasons. Linda, how can our listeners contact you for interviews or and to become involved? And any final words for our listeners? You know, I'm always here for help. Um, anybody who needs my, my thought process or a different view or perspective, I am there. Again, they can find me on any social media under Linda No or No Limit, which remember No is spelled N as in Nancy, G-O, um, or my email at nolimitinc at gmail.com, which is N-G-O-L-I-M-I-T-I-N-C at gmail.com. Or find you, <laughs> Gary. I'm sure you still have my contact information. They're more than welcome yep, to yep, get it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yep, but yep. I'm I'm all on LinkedIn, 
Twitter, social, any social media platform for the most part. Not, you know, uh-huh. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram are my main. Anything else, mm-hmm. I'm kind of still learning. Mm-hmm. Any final words? <sighs> I think today and what I've said to a lot of my public speaking um, platform is please do not block your blessings by assuming. You know, one of the biggest exercises, Jerry, that I do when I first come into my public speaking forum is I ask the audience to use one word to describe me based on their first impression. I'm a 5'1 Vietnamese girl um, in high heels and typically a dress. Um, And I want them to just give me their first impression good bad or anything in between, I will not take it personal and I will not take it to heart. And, you know, for the most part, a lot of them are being so kind and give me great positive words. But what I do want them to understand, because they they do give me the, hey, you look powerful, hey, you look fashionable, or hey, you look smart, or hey, you look that and the other. And I said, I appreciate your kind words. But in those kind words, you never knew and understood that My dad shot and killed my mother when I was three. I grew up with no love, no family, no real stability. I was raped by my last relationship. I was abused by my legal guardian. I've been sued by my family for my mother's inheritance. I'm a single mother of three, and I've been through a whole lot. But because I stand in front of you today in your beautiful words, you were never able to assume that. You never knew that I know everyone from the homelessness community to our political heads, from judges to senators to professional athletes to bakers to every single person in, I know somebody in somebody's industry. You never knew that. So what I'm asking is give someone the respect and do yourself a favor of giving them a few moments of your time to learn them before you cast judgment upon them because you never know who sent them to you to be that blessing, to bless that gap that you're waiting for, that aunt, that that whole question that you're asking God or that person or something you're asking God for to send you might have been form of a Linda or of a Gary. But if you cast judgment on me before you even get to meet me and understand who I am, you might just slap God in the face and said, well, I sent you what you asked for, but you were too judgmental. You thought she was this, that, and the other, so you just slapped what I sent you. So you just got to definitely do yourself a favor. And, and let's just take those those blinders off. Let's take off those glasses of judgment. Let's take off the color lenses and to see each other for, for human beings and for fellow brothers and sisters and for fellow mothers and fathers and and aunts and, you know, just people with hearts. We We don't need to see black, white, yellow, purple, or green. You know, we just need to see our hearts and our spirits and our energy. And I think that if we can all do ourselves a favor by just giving a moment of our precious time to learn somebody, they might be the blessing you, you've been asking for and been waiting on. And just don't block your blessings by judging. So, Linda, thank you. <laughs> uh, amen. Thank you for appearing on Challenges of Faith. And uh, I know you're going to be returning because we'll, 